On Confirmation Sunday, it's a good opportunity to speak to young people. Some of you are young, some of you are young at heart. I'm going to be 60 this fall, and I still feel young. I might not look very young, but I still feel young. And God has a plan for young people. And we turn this morning to the book of Daniel, where we see God's plan for a young man named Daniel and his three friends, whom we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So turn to Daniel 1. We'll be looking at this passage together this morning. Let's, let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this glorious day that you have given. We thank you, O God, for young people and how you desire to bless them and to use them. How you've done that throughout history in your word in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and throughout church history, O God. How you have used and blessed young people to have a significant role in the work of your kingdom. So, Father, we pray that you would open our eyes and hearts and minds to your truth this morning. But we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Rick James has written an article called The Historic Role of Young People in God's Global Plans. And I found it a fascinating article because he traces how God has used young people throughout church history. During the time of the Reformation in the 1500s, it was professors and students at the universities in Wittenberg and Geneva and Zurich that God used. When the Puritans came to America in the early 1600s, God worked through students on the campuses of schools like Yale and Harvard and Dartmouth. In the mid-1600s, God used the Pietist movement in Germany and universities of Leipzig and Halle through Christian professors like Philip Jacob Spanier and August Franke who, according to James, turned their students into committed disciples. Oxford University in the 1730s, there were men like John and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, and we could go on and on and illustrate throughout church history, God has had a way of using young people. We shouldn't be surprised that we find this same truth in Scripture because God has repeatedly called those who are young to have a part in the work of God's kingdom. And one of the great examples of that that we find in the book of Daniel, with Daniel and his three friends. Now, most Bible scholars believe that Daniel was probably a teenager, as we find him here in chapter 1 of the book of Daniel. And he wasn't in a situation that he would have likely have chosen to be. But God had a plan for his life. And this plan illustrates to us two very important principles that we need to understand today. Notice, first of all, that God gives his people a place of service. As we meet Daniel in this chapter, he is in the kingdom of Babylon. And if you are wondering how he got there, our text tells us. Daniel was in Babylon because of God's sovereign plan 
for his life. Notice how this chapter begins. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And I want you to notice very carefully the next phrase in verse 2. The Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Isn't that interesting that Daniel and his three friends were brought into captivity in Babylon because of God's sovereign choice? God brought them far from home, into a very challenging situation. Everything was new for Daniel, and most of it wasn't good. And Daniel was being pressured to abandon everything he had learned as a young boy in Israel. Three things. Notice, first of all, Daniel was being pressured to change his way of thinking. He was among those who were gathered into the harem of the king, and and they were to be taught then, according to verse 4, the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Now think of it. Here is this teenage boy and his friends brought to a new land, and he's being instructed in the literature and in the language of the Chaldeans. And their view of the world, and their view of man, and their view of God, and their view of sin was very different from what Daniel had been taught. And if you think of young boys being taken out of their culture and then immersed into a very different culture, a very godless culture, that was a challenging place to be. And if you don't think that this was a danger for Daniel, just look at the statistics of what happens to many young people in our day when they go off to college. How many of them turn away from what they've been taught, turn away from the truth of God's Word? The statistics are alarming. In many ways, they aren't being educated. They are being indoctrinated. And that's exactly what was happening here. They were trying to bring Daniel into the culture of Babylon. So he was being pressured to change his way of thinking. He was being pressured also to change his way of living. Verse 5 says, The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food, and from the wine which, which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now the food that Daniel ate, or was being told to eat, that that was a problem for Daniel. For one thing, some of it was ceremonially unclean. In fact, the word translated defile in verse 8, when Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself, that refers to religious defilement. So Daniel and his friends were being asked to compromise their convictions by eating food that was unclean. So here he is. What do you do in that situation? And besides food that was unclean, there was also meat that was served at the king's table that had been sacrificed to idols. 
Another challenge for Daniel. What am I going to do? Am I going to stand up for the convictions that I've had as a, as a, as a young boy in Israel? I'm going to abandon them. What am I going to do? But the biggest way that Daniel was being pressured to change was to change his worship. And you will notice that Daniel and his three friends were given different names. We know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by the names that they were given, but that wasn't their original names. Look at verse 7. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. To Daniel, he assigned the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, the name Shadrach. To Mishael, the name Meshach. And to Azariah, the name Abednego. Now, what is so significant about this? Think of the meaning of these names. Daniel means Elohim is my judge. But Belteshazzar means may Bel protect his life. That was one of the false gods of Egypt. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Shadrach means Aku is exalted, which is another Babylonian god. Mishael means who is what Elohim is. Meshach means who is what Aku is. Azariah means Yahweh is my helper, but Abednego means servant of Nebo. So these new names were intended to envelop them within the culture and religion of Babylon so that every time they said their name, they were reminded of some false god of Babylon. So, the commander was trying to squeeze Daniel into the mold of Babylonia. He want, they wanted him to think, they wanted him to live, they wanted to worship like the Babylonians did. And so this was a dangerous place to be, but this was his place of service. And I was thinking about that this week, and it occurred to me that it really isn't that much difference for us today, is it? We live in a culture that is pressuring us to conform to the way it thinks, to the way it lives, and to the way it worships. And almost everything that I was taught as a child is being challenged today. Wouldn't you agree? And so we are not that different from Daniel and his three friends. Our culture is quickly abandoning the Judeo-Christian values that our country was built upon. We're being pressured to think like the world thinks, to live like the world thinks, and to worship like the world thinks. But this is our place of service, isn't it? We're here. God has put us here for reason. Just as God put Daniel and his three friends in Babylon for a reason, we are here as well. This is our place of service. Will we stand up for our convictions? I think of Joseph. He also was brought into a very difficult culture in Egypt. And you remember when Joseph had his two sons. Remember them? Manasseh 
and Ephraim. Those are not Egyptian names. Those are Hebrew names. And that was just one way in which Joseph was testifying to the fact that he was not going to be swallowed up by the culture of Egypt. He was going to continue to serve the true God, and he did. That was his place of service, and God used him there. So number one, God gives his people a place of service, and this is ours, our challenge as well. The second lesson we learn here is that God gives His people a position of influence. Not just a place of service, but a position of influence. And if you think about the place where Daniel found himself, it's almost hard to imagine how a young teenage boy in circumstances like this would have much of an impact on that culture. I mean, I think of myself, if I had been taken captive out of Minnesota and brought to some foreign culture and immersed in in false teaching at the age of 15 or 16 years old, what would have happened to me? What happened to Daniel and his friends? Well, first of all, Daniel had an impact on the commander of the officials because he determined in verse 8 that he would not defile himself with the king's food. And so he approaches the, the official and, and he basically says that he wants to ask permission not to have to eat that food. And he offered the king an option, or the, the commander an option. He says, how about if you test us for ten days? And after ten days, if... If we look, you know, worse off than the other young people that are involved in this uh, immersing into the culture, then then you can can change it. But just give us ten days. And he did that very respectfully. He did that very humbly. I mean, he could have gotten himself in trouble if he came and said, you know, I'm not going to eat your stupid food, even if you punish me. But he didn't. Very humbly he came, and he had an impact on that commander because the commander said, okay, we'll give you ten days, and after ten days, they look better than the other ones. And so you can see here this young teenage man having an impact on this commander. That's significant. Very significant. But it wasn't just on the commander. Daniel had an impact on his three friends. Because if you look in verse 8, it was Daniel that made up his mind he was not going to eat this food. It was Daniel who went to the commander asking for permission not to do so. But these three friends of his, we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they joined him. They joined him. Daniel was a good influence on those three friends of of his. And I have discovered... That if you as a young Christian man or woman are willing to take a stand for what is right, you will often find other young people that are going to say, I'm going to follow that person. I'm going to do what they do because I know that's what's right. That's one of the things that I learned in college. There were times in in a classroom where the, the, the teacher would say something that would be derogatory about the Lord or His Word. And if one of us stood up 
It was interesting how a number of other Christians would also stand up. There's something about it. Someone who is willing to take a stand for Jesus Christ. There are others who say, I'm going to follow too. And just think of these three friends of his. They not only followed Daniel when it came to the food issue, but a few chapters later, remember, they were threatened with the fiery furnace. What they do? They said, I'm sorry, King. Our God that we serve, He is able to deliver us from this flaming furnace. But even if He doesn't, even if He chooses not to, we can't bow down to the gods that you serve. I kind of think that Daniel had an impact on these three guys. Daniel made a difference in the lives of these three men. So here he was in this very challenging place of service, but he had a position of influence. First with the commander, then with his three friends. And then if you look at the last verse of the chapter, you will notice that Daniel had an impact on four kings. It'd be easy to just pass over that last Verse, but it's, it simply says that Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. So that tells us two things. Number one, he, he lived a fairly long life because they were 70 years in Babylon. So you add the number of years that he was when he went, the 70 years, he lived a long life and had an influence over four kings. Nebuchadnezzar, King Darius, King Belshazzar, and King Cyrus as well as all the, the officers of the court that he came in contact with. And if you read on in the book of Daniel, you will notice that he had an impact on them that was very significant. In his place of service, he had a wonderful position of influence. So let me ask you today, what place of service has God given to you? Where is your place of service? For some of you, it's as a student in school. That's your place of service where you can be a person of of influence. For some of you, it's a mother in the home. That's your place of service now. And you can be one who has a position of, of influence. For some of you, it's still on the job as you rub shoulders with people that don't know Jesus. That's your place of service and you can have a wonderful position of of influence. How about the neighborhood? That's your place of service and you can be a person of influence. Whether you're young, like Lydia, whether you're old like me or older than me, you have a place of service. And it might be a challenging place. It might be a real challenging place. Daniel had a real challenging place. But you know what? God used him. God blessed him. God gave him favor with the people, we're told in this chapter. God gave him the strength to 
to stand up for his convictions when it would have been very easy as a young man away from home to wilt, to give in. But he stood up for the truth. And that's the challenge that we have in our culture today. What's the song say? Dare to be a Daniel? Dare to stand alone? You might have to stand alone sometime. But God will give you the strength to stand for Him. In His place of service, He gives us a position of influence to point people to Jesus and to be a light in this dark world. Let's pray. Oh God, give us the strength in our place of service to be a person of influence as we allow you, Lord, to work in us and through us as you strengthen us, O God, to stand for the truth of your word in a culture that has rapidly thrown away those values that we were taught. Lord, help Lydia as a young girl in this world today to be that one who is willing to stand, even if it means to stand alone. Because, Lord, with you we are never alone. Encourage and strengthen us, Lord, as we live in this world today for the glory and the honor and the praise of your name. For it is in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.